Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Still got two timeouts. Zeke up the middle into the end zone for the touchdown. Even it deep. Great. High arcing toss for the end zone. It is intercepted. Cowboys pick it off in the end zone. And Dallas will avoid a Texas-sized upset. Welcome, Cowboys Nation, to another episode of the Writer's Block Podcast. Cowboys win with a little bit of a question mark uh, on Sunday, 27-23 to over the Houston Texans. Um, and not only that, but as we're recording this right now, they sign a free agent wide receiver uh, who used to wear the number 13, but not exactly the one who you're thinking of. We will get into that, but uh, I'm here with my co-host, as always, the lovely Ms. Jess Navarez. Uh, you can follow Jess and I on Twitter at Jess Navarez underscore and at Brandon is right. And that's W-R-I-T-E because I myself am a journalist. So I have to be right in that sense. Not all the time with my takes. Uh, Jess, how did you celebrate your victory Monday? Um, I started very early. Um, I actually got to do a little something with the Cowboys uh, for the start of my victory Monday that uh, soon enough. Well, we'll get to announce officially. Um, but it was a really fun, very fulfilling morning for me in my Victory Monday. And then got uh, some errands done during the day. Went back to do Girls Talk, Boys Talk. Now I'm here with uh, you all. And I'm very excited because, yeah, it's it's a little interesting. You're calling it a Victory Monday. It just it doesn't feel very victorious. It's a big question mark. I don't know. How did you celebrate your victory Monday? Uh, I was a little confused. Um, I didn't know what to do exactly. Um, but I think the best way to sum it up, like I said, is you kind of put a little question mark at the end of the win column. Uh, you know, there were some things that were great with the opening drive and how the Cowboys ended the game. But everything in between was sort of like an Oreo, like a bad Oreo. Uh, the, 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 it wasn't good, um, I, I guess, is the best I way to put it. I think you could have a bad Oreo. Well, but... yeah, I guess in this case, the Cowboys did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it, I mean, hey, yeah. there has to be the first of something, right? Exactly. And the first something is, you know, we have our guest, a very, very special guest uh, from the Houston region uh, himself. We have Manav Gupta. Uh, you know, you can follow him on Twitter at MG Sports Talk. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're a Houston native or talk about the Houston uh, sports community a lot. And, and you put out great content um, on YouTube. We, we noticed you right away, not only from your interview that you did with Dak Prescott, but also, too, you've interviewed J.J. Watt, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Kay Adams of Good Morning Football, um, and others I'm definitely not mentioning. Again, just a, a large catalog. So welcome to the Writer's Block Podcast. What's going on, man? Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Super glad to be here and, uh, you know, really excited to talk about the game. That was one crazy game. Uh, 
yesterday between the Cowboys and Texans. Um, did not really expect that, but that was fun and, you know, excited to talk about that. And, you know, of course, really appreciate the kind words and, um, you know, having a chance to interview so many people. It's been, it's been really great. So I really appreciate the invite. Yeah, no, once I saw the video of you interviewing Dak and talking to him, I was like, yeah, he needs to come on the podcast immediately. I sent it to Brandon and then uh, I messaged you right away and we set up for this week. So this has been weeks in the making, you guys. Like, I'm just, I'm really excited that this is finally happening. But hey, Brandon named off a laundry list of the people you've gotten to interview and the things you've kind of gotten to do within that time. Is there one specific interview that sticks out to you the most as being your favorite? Or do you just have a bunch of favorites because you interview a bunch of really cool people all the time? Yeah, you know, it's tough because all the people that I've talked to have been so amazing. You know, you mentioned J.J. Watt. Of course, that interview is always going to be really special. And then talking to Dak, obviously, of course, um, he's my favorite quarterback and love his story. Um, But if I had to pick one, you know, I've mentioned this before um, on you know, other podcasts, it's obviously hard for me to choose like one specific favorite, but um, I've talked to uh, Ernie Johnson. He's the um, host of Inside the NBA on TNT. Um, he is actually someone that, you know, I've had a chance to, you know, talk to and had him on had him on my show for an interview. And he's he's been so great. He was so kind. Um, really fun guy to talk to. Um, he's pretty funny as well. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think he's been he's been really great. And Really loved having him on the show as well. And the one thing I really do love about what you've been doing so far is that it's not only just football. I know we're going to talk about the game from Sunday, but you're talking about basketball. You're talking about baseball. And I I appreciate that, you know, with regards to covering all sports, because I think that not only does it open up other opportunities, but you get to talk to so many different people like Jess mentioned. And I really like the basic foundation question I always love talking to fellow writers with is what got you into sports journalism? Like what inspired you to do this in the first place? And what kind of is in the back of your mind whenever you talk to uh, other athletes or create content? Yeah, you know, it's been such a great journey. And, um, you know, all these guys have been really great. And, you know, you mentioned I really like covering all facets of sports. Um, not just like football or just basketball or whatever. Like I like to cover um, all the sports and, you know, I've I've done some soccer content as well with some of the Houston soccer teams here. I know Dallas has a good team as well. So, I mean, I try to cover like all my bases and football to me is still my favorite sport. It's the first sport I started watching. Um, um, And I really, you know, one day I turned on the Cowboys game and I I was actually a big fan of Des Bryant. Um, He he was actually one of my favorite receivers. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is, is my favorite, but Des Bryant was someone, you know, that really one of the one of the guys that actually got me into football. So love football, but of course love covering all sports and giving them um, all importance. I really love that you mentioned Des because Brandon and I come from that era of football, and that's really what we grew up watching. So it's really cool uh, to talk to people that have that same kind of era and uh, grew up watching that that time because that was a that was a crazy time. I mean, we were we were fully into the Tony Romo years and a lot of ups and downs there, but we love him for that. Des caught it, and uh, I hope you can agree with that sentiment there uh, as well. But you know what? I have been dying to ask you 
when you are talking to these players and, um, you know, doing everything that you're doing with your YouTube channel and just in general of content creation, what is something that inspires you to keep going, to keep it fresh and keep it fun for you? Because, you know, when you get to know these athletes at a certain level, they become, you know, humans, right? And you don't see them as celebrities anymore. And so what do you do to inspire you to keep doing this and keep going? Uh, you know, it's all about my ultimate goal. Um, for me, I want to be um, a sports broadcaster on the, at the highest level. And, um, you know, that's the dream that I have. And I just want to keep going towards that, keep getting more experience, and just really just about adding stuff to my resume. That's how I view it as. And it's it's not only that, it's just such a great experience for me to talk to these guys. Um, and really, it's, it's like my fandom. I just love talking to them, seeing what they do on the field is truly incredible and just having a chance to speak to them and ask them questions about um, their game is what I absolutely love to do. And, you know, I'm not going to like settle for, okay, I've talked to these many people, you know, that's it. Like, like that's not enough for me. I just want to keep interviewing and talking to really as much people as I can um, because I'm in sports. You can just keep going and there's not, there's really no stop. Um, so that's how I view it as. And, you know, even if I reach my dream, you know, I'm not going to, stop from there. I'm just going to keep going because I just love talking to these guys. And then once you talk to like, for example, like I was so lucky to talk to JJ Watt. Like once I talked to JJ, it was crazy because you see all the stuff that he's doing. He's, he's so famous and um, he's a literal legend. So um, when you talk to him, he's, it's just completely different. They're all just like regular people at the heart of it. And that's also what I noticed with Dak too. When I talked to him, you know, it was just, I mean, I was waiting for that moment for so long trying to, I was, um, you know, through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, I was able to uh, meet Dak. And that moment was, you know, we've been planning that for almost a year and a half for me to be able to meet Dak. Um, with COVID, we weren't able to do in-person meet and greets, but finally that was able to happen. Um, I was just so glad to just say hi to him um, and just talk to him. And um, he's such a great guy. He's such a, he's just really down to earth and just a really nice person. That's what these guys are. Um, you see what they do on the field, but at, at the end of the day, they're just um, great guys, and that's what I really love. Uh, being a great journalist is knowing how to transition to another topic, and, and you set up my next question perfectly. Uh, you, you mentioned the interview that you did with Dak, and it was a part of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and I know when he was nominated for Walter Payton Man of the Year on Twitter, you you shouted Dak out saying that he's a great guy, really deserving of not only the honor to be nominated, but also the award in general, and Talk about what it was like to meet him, you know, in that moment, not only in Make-A-Wish Foundation holds a special place in my heart. Um, my father battling cancer, he's clean now, everything's good, but uh, we were able to go on a Disney trip through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and it was a, such a special moment for us, so it holds a special place in my heart. So when I saw that, I was, you know, blown away by by them doing that. But talk about, you know, what that was was like for you to, to meet someone like Dak and to be able to interview him and, and what you took away from that. Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to meet Dak Prescott. He's my favorite quarterback, and, you know, I live in Houston. People obviously don't like the Cowboys, but, you know, I don't I don't view it, view it like that. Uh, I just love Dak for the guy that he is. He is um, such an inspiring story, someone that has gone through some difficulties in life, but, you know, he's, he's taken that on, and, you know, I asked him that as well. How do you get, you know, go through that kind of stuff and just, you know, just keep going through it. And, you know, he was in that position where he is right now, one of the, the quarterbacks of, you know, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that that's incredible. So um, 
he's in the position that he is because all the hard work that he does. And that's really, really inspiring for me, which is why I wanted to meet him. And, you know, I submitted that wish to make a wish about almost two years ago. And um, they couldn't do it that year because of COVID. We had to wait till this year. And then dad got injured in week one. And I was supposed to meet him week seven um, versus Detroit. And, you know, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, they have such a great partnership with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they really, it's just a comprehensive experience. Um, you know, on day one, you're supposed to tour the star. That's where you meet the players. Then, you know, day two, you tour AT&T Stadium. And then day three, you go to the game. And I really wanted to see Dak play. And I was unsure if he was even going to play for that Lions game. So it was kind of up in the air whether I was going to go to Dallas or not. And luckily, it all turned out so perfect to where that was the week he came back. So, you know, we went to Dallas, and I was just so excited to meet Dak. That was the whole purpose of this trip, um, just to meet Dak. And um, just seeing him be able to practice, and then finally I was able to say hi to him, give him a big handshake, give him a hug, because, um, you know, he means a lot to me. So um, he's incredible. Um, really awesome guy. Um, I just can't say enough about him. He's, he's really, really incredible. And... Um, you know, he treats every person so great, so kindly. Um, seemed like I was talking to a friend, honestly, with him. Um, you know, one of the questions I asked him was, you know, I want him to run a little bit more. And how do you think he can do that? And, you know, he laughed and, you know, he said, that's what you want me to do. Okay, I see. And, you know, he gave a great answer. And um, he's a really good speaker. That's what I noticed. He, he knows, he says all the right things. Um, and I just can't say enough about him. He, he, he's just so great, honestly. Yeah, Dak Prescott, a man of the people. We are Dak Prescott stands on this podcast, so you are in the right place. You were barking up the wrong tree or the right trees here. Um, if anybody has anything to say differently about Dak Prescott, well, we don't associate with that kind of negativity over here on the Writer's Blog podcast. But um, something that I was reading through our messages. Uh, we have a group chat. Uh, that's how we communicate with our guests. Brandon and I start these lovely group chats and then blow up, uh, blow them up with all these great, in, I don't know, bits of information, I guess. But um, I was reading here that you're an ambassador for muscular dystrophy. Can you go ahead and talk about that, uh, how that journey played out and what that means to you? Because you're using your platform, of course, to do what you love and also talk about sports and do all this. But your platform is so much bigger than that. And I think that is just... It makes you so incredible that you use your platform for the right things and you put out things into the world that people need to know and be educated about. So talk to me about that. Yeah, you know, muscular dystrophy is part of my life. And, you know, when, I, when I've interviewed all these great people, I just don't want it to be like everything's about me. I want to help push a greater cause. And, you know, that's muscular dystrophy. A lot of people don't know. Um, there are multiple kinds of muscular dystrophy. I have something that's called Duchenne muscular dystrophy, um, basically, it's uh, you have weaker muscles than most people, and you know these are rare diseases. People just don't know about them. And I thought, you know, since people have been following me, and you know, it's something that I want to share what I go through. I thought it would be great for me to help spread the mission um, that the Muscular Dystrophy Association does. They're um, the best organization for this kind of stuff. They do tons of promotions. Um, they're raising money to try and find cures for diseases that do not have cures. Um, and just trying to really make people that go through these diseases, their lives better. Cause you know, they can't do things that normal people do. And, you know, that's obviously unfortunate, but, um, MDA does its best to try and make things 
easier for them to try and have fun in their lives. And, you know, I was totally behind that. And, um, you know, just reached out to them last year. Um, and I was like, hey, you know, I want to help promote and I want to help share the mission. And, you know, it's been such a great partnership ever since. And really one of the main reasons why, um, you know, we were able to connect was Naheem Hines of the um, Buffalo Bills. Back then he played for the Colts, but he's an ambassador for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Um, and I was pretty inspired by that to see NFL athletes kind of promote the mission as well was pretty, pretty cool for me to see. So I wanted to have the chance to talk to him and interview him um, as a, you know, guy who um, has muscular dystrophy and would be great to, you know, two ambassadors to talk to each other. And that worked out really well. Um, the Colts played the Texans um, last year in December. So I was able to meet him and we were able to, you know, talk about what he does for MDA and, it's really such a great cause. Um, and I'm so glad that I'm able to promote it and share and try and raise awareness because, you know, a lot of media outlets have done different kinds of stories on, you know, whatever I've accomplished. And I really appreciated the fact that they've all, you know, mentioned, um, you know, MDA and the, you know, that I'm an ambassador for them because at the end of the day, I want people to know what these diseases are and I want people to try and raise as much money as possible, um, you know, to find cures. Well, it, it's a true inspiration. I know I can speak on behalf of Jess and myself, you know, to hear your story and, and where you've gone with your career. And you're so young, too. 19, right? Yeah, 19. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have a full career ahead of you, which is amazing. I'm 26 and I feel like that I'm behind the eight ball sometimes. <laughs> but I, I use your story for inspiration, um, you know, just to keep going and just know that maybe at some times I'm not doing enough. And um, you, you're an inspiration to me. So I, I love to hear, you know, your story and everything that you're about and transitioning to the game, like we talked about being, you know, a Houston Texans fan and, and covering Houston sports. Um, I think the best way to sum it up is I don't think anybody noticed or, or, or saw coming that the Cowboys and Texans game would be as close as it was. Um, definitely. I know they were 16 point favorites going into yeah. the game. And originally, you know, fans were a little hesitant because we saw it last year, at least with the Cowboys of how the Denver Broncos came into AT&T stadium with the red stripe curse of, of the helmet. Um, and they just didn't play well. And, you know, they were a lesser competition. So once the slate of three games with the AFC South came up, everyone was looking at saying, man, oh, here we go again. And luckily with the Colts game, it turned out to be pretty good for, for the second half. But this game, it always felt tight, you know, between probably about five minutes into the first quarter, you know, all the way until two minutes until the fourth quarter. So I'll, I'll talk to you first, uh, Manav, about, you know, your your perspective of the Texans so far this year. I know they are one now 1-11-1, one um, yeah. but what have you taken away um, from this team so far and any sort of positive that you kind of took away from from Sunday's game? Um, you know, it, it's really been a rough season for the Texans here. Um, you know, people just didn't have high expectations going into this game. Obviously, there were people that, you know, viewed this as a huge rivalry game. For some people, I guess it was their kind of Super Bowl year. Um, so it was a big game for some people here. Some people were like, you know, we've got to beat this Cowboys team. If we win one game this season, I mean, another game this season, it better be against the Cowboys. Um, so some people were, like, really hyped up for it. A lot of people were like, you know what, this is going to be another blowout the Texans are going to get destroyed in this game. Um, and because it's just not been a great season whatsoever. I think here in Houston, people had expectations that the team was going to be slightly better than the four wins that they had last season with David Culley. You bring in Lovie Smith, who was the defensive coordinator, um, who 
promote Pep Hamilton, who's now the offensive coordinator. He was a quarterback's coach last season. And people were really impressed with what Davis Mills showed um, at the end of last season. So people thought, you know what, Davis Mills might be the answer. We might see some improvement in this team to where they might get more than four wins. And you know what, it's been worse. So um, it's just been not a great season. And, you know, a lot of people in Houston, they just don't have faith in the football team. It's, it's, it's disappointing for me because I want, you know, this city to have a good football team. Um, and it just hasn't been that way. Um, you know, the organization with Jack Easterby, um, a lot of people didn't like Easterby. They got rid of him. Um, but, you know, this team just still does not have the trust of the city yet. And it's going to take a while before that happens. But in this game, a lot of people were expecting the Cowboys to run away with it. And people here were impressed. I mean, even though it ended with a loss, people in Houston were pretty impressed with this team. I was pretty impressed with how the Texans played one because they've been playing so bad this season. And then for them to really step it up here, they played one of their best games of the season against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the kind of energy they showed, I didn't see that all season. Um, they really seemed ready to play. And um, that Texan defense to me is a little bit underrated. Obviously the stats are not in their favor, but they're not that bad of a defense to me. They play hard. Um, they do make some flashy plays here and there. I think we saw a couple of plays um, that the Texans did. So um, Texans have a lot of improvement to make. Um, not this season that people were thinking, but um, I guess it was kind of a good, a decent game to see, you know, where where the Texans might be in the future and, you know, what could be ahead of them. But um, it's just, it just, I guess, something for uh, Texans fans to say that, okay, we were close this time, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely gave this Texans team a bit of a pulse, if you will. Um, and really just from what I talked to uh, one of the Houston Texans reporters earlier last week, he had said that something he really admired about this team is that although they have the, the record that they have and the losing season that they have, not one guy in that locker room has a losing mentality and they've really kept strong uh, throughout that time. But I wanted to ask you, as far as this game win, what was the most surprising aspect of it? Because I don't think, first of all, like you said, I don't think anybody expected it to be the turnout that it was, right? Mm -hmm. But um, in the in the way to which it happened. But I also don't think anybody expected this Texans team to play like that. I mean, this looked like a completely different Texans team than we've seen all season. And it makes sense. You saying that they had a Super Bowl mentality what was the one thing that you can pinpoint that you think they really stepped up in order to try to put the nail in the coffin for the Cowboys? You know, the defense played great, but one thing I was kind of impressive was that offense. I mean, this offense has not been great. Um, I did not see that two quarterback system happening. Personally, for me, I was surprised. You see, um, people here are kind of like wanting, you know, why, why doesn't Jeff Driscoll start at this point? So, I mean, I was pretty I'm surprised with the two quarterback system, how they bring in Driscoll and he was running the football really well. This team is, is, can be a good running, um, you know, rushing football team. Damian Pierce is, is, you know, one of their best players this season. People love him here. Um, there's one reason why people watch Texans game is to see what he can do. And he's been really a bright spot People for people here in Houston. They absolutely love him. They think he's a cornerstone um, for this franchise for many years to come. So, I was kind of impressed with how this offense was a little bit better than what we've seen. Because to me, that defense hasn't, you know, they're better than what people think to me because um, they play hard. They have some really great players like Jalen Petrie was all over the place. I wonder if you guys, you know, Cowboys fans have seen him do all sorts of plays because he's been so impressive. 
um, for people here in Houston. But to me, it was, you know, seeing that offense make a couple of good throws, a um, couple of touchdowns to me were uh, impressive. The fact that they're making use of um, the mistakes that the, their opponents were making, like the Cowboys were making, I thought that was impressive because you see good teams do that and they showed some flashes. And to me, that kind of came out of nowhere. You mentioned one name specifically. Jalen Petrie was looking like uh, Brian Dawkins uh, back there. He was so aggressive. I didn't realize how aggressive of a player he was, and I'm pretty sure he's a he's a Baylor product too. Yeah. Um, so for for him, he flashing. I think that when you see players like that develop in in their rookie season, that builds hope for the future, right? I think the Texans at this point they have their eye on the future. You mentioned the the dual quarterback threat between Mills and Driscoll. I don't even think the Cowboys were prepared for that because Driscoll, yeah. I know, was a last minute call up for from the practice squad, um, and their sort of kryptonite this season has been sort of the mobile quarterback, Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones. But when you look at players like Pierce, Petrie, um, potentially, you know, also to Kenyon Green, you know, their guard that they drafted in the first round, like this, these are core guys that they hope to build a future around. If you had to pinpoint a specific position, I know maybe quarterback even too, if they get the first pick, um, but that they can add to and where you want to see them develop. Is it the outside with the wide receiver position, maybe get younger at that spot? Um, but where do you want to see this team improve moving forward? Um, you know, it's kind of hard to pinpoint one spot because, you know, flat out, this team needs improvement flat out everywhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I think at the end of the day, people here, they just want a quarterback. Um, because back then, back in 2017, um, when the Texans did draft Deshaun Watson, um, you know, it felt like the, the city of Houston had their quarterback. Obviously, now you can forget about all that. But um, this this city, I think they need a quarterback to kind of rally around. Um I think you have, you have Nico Collins um, at wide receiver right now, which people are high about. You obviously want to add another wide receiver to the mix. Offensive line, you've spent you know a good amount of first-round picks on, so um, the offensive line has been a little bit better. Um, you know They had really addressed secondary last year, getting Petrie. Um, they got Stingley as well, third overall. He did not play against the Cowboys. Um, so injuries were a little bit of a factor against the Cowboys where you didn't see you know some of the younger players on the team, but... Um, you know, I think I really do think this team needs a quarterback and um, someone that, you know, the fans can, I guess, rally around. But they need help everywhere. You mentioned wide receiver. Obviously, we'd love to get another wide receiver. Brandon Cooks more than likely is going to be leaving um, this team in the offseason. So um, we'll see. But they need improvement everywhere. But first of all, they need a quarterback. Definitely a great answer, showing why you are the future sports broadcaster uh, that you are going to be. But going into the game a little bit uh, more of a deep dive because the dominoes started to fall for the Cowboys with the Cavante Turpin muffed ball, which if y'all know me, y'all know I am very high on the Cavante Turpin train. So that just absolutely shattered my heart for him uh, when it happened because I talked to Cavante every week in the locker room and we have our weekly conversation of, all right, is this the week you're taking it back? What are we going to see this week? And um, this week he was very last week when I talked to him ahead of the game, he was very excited. And yeah, I think this is a week I can do it. So when I saw that, Oh my goodness. My heart just, just shattered and seeing how things played out through the game that ended up getting the Texans, points they really capitalized on the turnovers that they did get uh from the cowboys and so early on they had 14 points in cowboys turnovers and so when it comes to this texans team what do you think 
really solidified how they were playing because I know capitalizing on turnovers was a big one, but what else do you think they were doing and really specifically attacking the Cowboys weaknesses? Well, you know, I think one thing that the Cowboys, you know, people have been talking about is their rush defense has kind of struggled at times. And, um, you know, Damian Pierce is, you know, arguably their best player on offense. And the fact that, um, you know, over the last few weeks, they just weren't making use of Pierce enough. They weren't giving him enough touches and you really need to give him uh, more touches. And, they were doing that really well. I think giving Driscoll the read option with Pierce was pretty good for um, the team, and, and it was pretty um, useful for them. They are able to gain yardage out of that and just handing it off to Pierce over and over and then using play action for that. I thought that was um, pretty helpful for them to be able to do that because, you know, honestly, when I thought the Texans got the ball, I just don't think, you know, they're, they're, they only have one win this season, and I just didn't think they are going to be able to make full use of the turnovers, but they made absolutely full use of every mistake that the, almost every mistake that the Cowboys made um, besides the back interception at the end. So um, I was pretty impressed with that and the fact that they're able to use that running game good enough because if they can use that running game, I think, you know, they can be a fairly, you know, decent offense. And um, I think the Texans have been in few close games. They honestly, I think are better than the one win team that they are. I mean, they just have a trouble kind of finishing off games. We saw that against the Cowboys again, but, um, you know, they've been in games this season, and I think it's all about running the football with them. You mentioned the run defense of the Cowboys, and I know that that's something that's been a concern for fans for the previous few weeks, but it seems like it's been getting better. And I know Damian Pierce is an elite running back for, for the age that he is right now and the lack of experience that he has. But that's sort of like a game that you see a player like Leighton Vander Esch step up, the yeah. Cowboys linebacker. And he had 14 tackles yesterday or on Sunday, you know, nine by himself, the one tackle for loss. Uh, the other you know, player who's great on re run defense is Demarcus Lawrence. And he had that uh, very, very critical tackle for loss um, yeah. while the Texans, you know, intercepted uh, the Cowboys in the red zone, looked like they were going to score and they had that goal line stand. So, you know, those are two guys that I, that I can kind of hang my hat on as a fan and, and who covers the team to say, okay, this, this is sort of like the foundation to get better on the run defense. But unfortunately, you know, they lose a guy like Jonathan Hankins. We're not sure exactly timetable wise, you know, his injury at the defensive tackle position, but you have other guys like a Carlos Watkins step up, you know, a guy who, you know, he tackles Chris Moore short of the goal line for preventing him to score. So this way it, it gives the Cowboys the opportunity to get the ball back. So, I've always said that with this season, and you mentioned the injuries for the Texans, it seems like for the Cowboys, when one guy goes down, two more replace that that player. And, you know, the one position and area of concern I still have is the cornerback depth. And I know Trayvon Diggs is uh, playing at an all-pro type level. But when he went out of the game, you have a rookie in Deron Bland, you have Kelvin Joseph and Deshaun Wright in. I don't know about you, Jess. Uh, that was a little concerning for me uh, to see that. And I know the defensive tackle position is something that, you know, might be a concern moving forward, but you have guys with experience there. The Cowboys don't have much experience in the cornerback room right now. So w were you concerned with that, Jess, uh, when, when you saw that on the field? Or what did you make of the overall cornerback play on Sunday? I mean, I think this Texans team showed exactly why we should be concerned going forward about it. Because really, I mean, when you have that much injury that is striking your secondary on a team that uh, was already struggling to, to say nicely uh, in that department, it, it is nerve wracking. But it is time for the younger guys to, you know, stick with what the mantra has been all season next man up mentality younger guys get their opportunities we've heard this all season but really it, it's time now now they don't have 
the luxury of having that versatility and the, I guess, backups ready to go at that point. So we're going to see. I, I think um, if there was such thing as good timing for all of this, I would rather it happen now during this stint of the games uh, as compared to the earlier part of the season because now we're at the point where you look at the rest of the schedule and – the most concerning game obviously is the lingering Eagles game coming up at the end of the month, but I would rather it happen now uh, than happen during the Eagles game or, you know, post uh, postseason run. So we're going to see, I, I think it's to be determined still, honestly, but um, yeah, I, I to be determined, ask me in like two more weeks and maybe I'll have a better answer. But uh, in the meantime, I really don't think we know just yet what we're working with. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, obviously uh, somebody the Cowboys fans love to hate, but then also love to love when he's doing things right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting to see kind of now the cards that are dealt. But um, yeah, with here's the thing. I, I have so much trust in Dan Quinn. I would trust fall with Dan Quinn. And I don't know if y'all know this. I don't trust fall with people because that is scary. And I have like huge trauma from that as a child. My brother would always pull his arms up and be like, yeah, psych. I don't do that, but I would trust fall with Dan Quinn. So I have trust in Dan Quinn that he is going to get things going when, uh, right when he needs to. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that the cornerback depth wasn't really tested. Uh, we saw some highlights of, of Kelvin Joseph. He had the, the pass breakup on third down. Um, but again, you know, the, the Texans were playing with more reserve wide receivers. Chris Moore had a great day, 10 catches for over 100 yards, uh, which was great to see for him and his development with the team. Manav, I'll, I'll also talk to you because another player you interviewed too was also Ezekiel Elliott. And that's yeah. been the big talking point for the Cowboys this season is, oh, is it Zeke? Is it Tony Pollard? Well, Jess and I are on the party in the bus of why not both? And, you know, we saw Elliott have the game-winning touchdown for the Cowboys, but Tony Pollard also had two amazing touchdowns, one reception, one rushing. So what have you made from the, the running back duo so far uh, this season for the Cowboys? But if you had to pick one, would you, would you pick one over the other, or would you still be with us in the right ship of, uh, of having both? I think it's electric, the kind of, um, you know, the duo that, that's been going on right now. You you bring in Tony Pollard, then, you know, Zeke gets those tough yards. I think that that's, that's really perfect for um, what the Cowboys are trying to do because, you know, Tony, Tony Pollard is so good at what he does, you know, cutting it to the outside. He's been so impressive. You know, every time Tony Pollard gets the ball, I feel like he's going to, like, burst it out for a touchdown because, you, know, um, you know, we haven't seen really Zeke kind of get that, you know, super long touchdown. Um, you know, he, he gets those yards when you need him to, and he gets those, you know, like 15 yard bursts, but you know, like when Zeke was a rookie, I remember him having like this huge 60 yard touchdown against like the Bengals or something. That was like a huge run. Um, but you see Pollard doing those kind of things now and Zeke is there, you know, to kind of punch it into the end zone or, you know, get those tough yards and Zeke is a really powerful guy. Um, you know, it's tough to bring that man down. So I think it's a perfect combination of what the Cowboys have. It's going to be really valuable to them. Um, because both are really good. I think, you know, Zeke is so good at run blocking. You know, I, I asked him because I haven't seen many running backs who are good at run blocking like he is. And that's always really stood out to me. And, you know, he told me that it's all about will. Um, it's all about, you know, that you have to be willing to do it. And that's what I love about Zeke. You know, he's willing to put in the effort for that. Um, and, you know, he, he's a really great guy. You know, I wasn't expecting to meet him. Um, but, you know, I was able to, you know, come across him that day. And it was so great to chat with him. He's really, really great at what he does. Um, 
and you know the Cowboys should be lucky that he's he's there with them and you know hopefully he he stays with them for much longer but um I think it's perfect what the Cowboys have right now they should really stick to that because you know it's really kind of like a thunder and lightning kind of thing that they have with you know Pollard and and you know what Zeke does so I think I think it works really really well Zeke is a total teammate I think he you know he loves what Pollard does he I guess views rushing yards is like them both combined. I think I heard something like that. So Zeke's mentality is perfect, honestly. Yeah, and I think something um, in points of this game for for me personally when I was looking at it was I was disappointed that it felt like the run was abandoned a little too early uh, in the game. I, I think we saw in the Cowboys' first drive, we saw a good, a good thing going with the run starting to get established. And then, uh, you, of course, you have the Cavante Turpin muffed ball mm-hmm. and then everything kind of just fell as they did. But um, I, I did want to see... Um, I will say I did want to see a quicker start for the Cowboys, uh, which we did see in the Cowboys' first drive. They did score off of their first drive. However, I'm going to clarify this week, and I'm going to say I want to see a quick start that continues to be uh, successful and does not start quick and then just decline rapidly because that was – that was rough. That was very rough. And uh, you know what was also very rough to come to the realization of was that this was the first game in a hot minute that the Cowboys defense did not get any sacks on a quarterback. And so um, actually I did some research last night. I was half asleep and I woke up and I was like, I wonder when the last time this happened was that uh, we didn't see a sack in a game for the Cowboys defense. Surprisingly enough, guys, It was, let's see, in October of 2021 against the Giants. Uh, The Cowboys did win that game. Um, Let's see. They won it 44 to 20. But before that, of course, Tom Brady just continues to just be this looming cloud for the Cowboys. But uh, before that, September 2021, keep in mind that was Dak's uh, first game back post-ankle injury. Another sackless game for the Dallas defense. So, hearing that now, how does that make you feel that your Houston Texans team managed to do that for this Cowboys defense that has, have just been cranking out sacks all season? What do you think worked uh, for the Texans and why that came to be and why the Cowboys were unsuccessful in getting any sacks? Yeah, you know, that's pretty impressive. I just, I actually never realized that until now that that you brought it up. And um, you know, some people actually in Houston are pretty confident about you know, I think they have a really great left tackle in Laramie Tunsil. Right tackle is pretty good to Titus Howard. So both those tackles, people are actually pretty confident about here in Houston. And a lot of people, you know, I was expecting a Micah Parsons field day. Um, personally, he didn't do much. And that was, you know, people here in Houston, some people are like, Micah Parsons is not going to do much because of our two tackles. And, you know, that actually played out really well. They weren't able to get any sacks. And I'm pretty impressed with that offensive line now, now that you mentioned it. And, um, I think that's really good. I think Kenyon Green, he's, he was a great draft pick um, by Nick Casario, the general manager of the Texans. Unfortunately, um, he's had some injury issues, but, you know, the Texans have spent a lot on this offensive line, and I think they did great protecting the quarterback because um, I don't think Davis Mills helps the cause. A lot of times he holds on to the ball and doesn't have, like, great dropbacks. Um, but to see them, I guess, you know, they're able to run the ball and then use that read option, I think that really kept the Cowboys' defense on their toes. And... I think a lot of what the Texans did was good. They're able to get rid of the ball quick. Um, and when they're extending plays, they're able to, you know, make the right decisions. And I think that was, that's actually really, really impressive. And, you know, I guess Texans fans will hope to see that continue. 
Another great transition, and unfortunately for the Cowboys, with regards to their offensive line, uh, they lose Terrence Steele, their right tackle, uh, to a torn ACL for the rest of the season. Uh, when J. Ron Curse was injured in pregame warmups, and he was able to come back and play in the game, when I saw that on Twitter, I said, oh boy, uh, this yeah. doesn't feel like it's going to be a good day. And the one thing Jess and I talked about last week is win the game, you know, score early and often, and then get your backups in. Because this is a game where if you're able to win in a convincing fashion, you want to get your backups, not only reps, but also get your starters out to, to remain healthy for the stretch of the playoffs. And unfortunately, that didn't really happen. They lose Terrence Steele. Um, we are not entirely sure. I mentioned Hankins earlier. It's sort of like a pec strain that seems to be pretty pretty bad right now. Um, Jake Ferguson's dealing with a concussion. Um, yeah, I, you know, not only curse, but you have a couple other players, Trayvon Diggs left the game, but then came back with, with a thumb injury. So unfortunately for the Cowboys injuries were not, you know, uh, on their strong side and they came in pretty healthy into that game. So just out of all of those guys that I mentioned, and also Dorrance Armstrong as well, a low ankle sprain, probably going to be coming back. Mike McCarthy was pretty positive about that, uh, injury. It, what concerns you the most? Of course, Terrence Steele. Um, but any other guy kind of stand out for you? I mean, we didn't really hear much uh, from Mike McCarthy about Trayvon Diggs. Um, and, and so that is something to keep an eye on, considering he's the ball hawk that he is, and he needs his thumb. That is a pretty significant part of catching a football, right? Um, so I would say Trayvon Diggs, uh, keeping a close eye on that. But what I will say is I did an event uh this morning we're recording this Monday night and I was right next to Trayvon didn't look like that thumb was an issue from what I could see so hoping that it's not going to be an issue that lingers but Terrence still is a huge loss for this O-line and Cowboys fans again y'all can be a little toxic um y'all and and I mean me too I'm I'm included in that but um he is a huge loss because he's somebody that has been highly criticized by uh, some people for the penalties, some people being me. I'm taking ownership of this. However, his continuity within this O-line has really, really, really increased and has been just on the up and up. And so it's really devastating when you see a guy like Terrence Steele who is on this upward path to improvement and making leaps and bounds within that improvement in the last three years, uh, really, when you see where he started. And so I, I think that's a big loss. I think, um, you know, that also messes with the rotation that they were potentially going to do with Tyron Smith returning and Jason Peters being in the mix now. Um, I, I think that throws a little bit of a wrench in things because we saw what Josh Ball was doing. Um, it wasn't great. It, it wasn't great. And I'm not here to talk smack. I'm not here to be negative. I'm just going to say it wasn't great, and we're going to move past that because we all saw with our eyes what was going on. It wasn't great. Um, you know, that's really all I can say about that. But something that um, I did think was interesting in Mike McCarthy's press conference was somebody asked, well, are you concerned about Jason Peters taking more of a workload in, uh, being that he's 40 years old, which I didn't, I did not realize this. Oh, yeah. This <laughs> he's been around. <laughs> was 40 years old. I mean – when you, I don't know. I just, it's interesting because I don't see these football players for their age, right? And Jason Peters does not look like he's 40 years old. So even just being by him, wouldn't have guessed 40 years old. However, the point is Mike McCarthy was asked um, 
if he's concerned about Jason Peters being his age and, um, you know, he hasn't taken a full game's worth of snaps in, in quite a long time, if that's an area of concern. And Mike McCarthy seemed pretty confident to say that Jason Peters can really step in and do whatever he's asked. And, yeah, as the veteran that he is, he absolutely can. It's just, can his body hold up? That's my biggest concern because if we don't have Jason Peters, something happens. And again, flowers to Jason Peters for just dropping the right tackle and the drop of a hat for the first time since 2006. Hello, that is insane. Just absolutely insane gold jacket uh, kind of stuff there from Jason Peters. But um, it, it's concerning. It's concerning because say Jason Peters can't take that right tackle position stuck with Josh Ball and yeah that 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 wasn't working out so well uh during the two drives that we saw <laughs> in for the Cowboys but Terrence Steele to answer your question Terrence Steele is my biggest concern um from all of the injuries because that seems like that's gonna mess with something that was already working and it wasn't broken it's a little cracked now, so it's a it's a big question mark. The only saving grace with that for me and for Cowboys fans is you have three future Hall of Famers within that O-line. And it's just a matter of can their bodies hold up within time. Uh, and not only that, you have the young one. You have the young Padwan uh, that has been learning from uh, all of those guys this entire time. Tyler Smith has taken taken absolute leaps and bounds to make sure that he is really uh, focused and, and learning all of the different things that come with um, any position he's asked to be in. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the O-line. Uh, and you mentioned the steel injury and the, the Peters replacement also too, again, like I mentioned, Manav, you know, it's, it's, you have the, the two guys sort of depth wise, Tyler Smith, Tyron Smith coming back potentially this weekend. Uh with just watching from like a aerial view of the Cowboys with Ty Tyron Smith coming back again, devastating injury in the preseason or in training camp, rather he's able to work his way back. Do you think that, you know, with him being at the left tackle spot, they should move Tyler Smith to right tackle. Or do you think that Peters is the best option for them at right tackle and keeping Tyler Smith sort of on the left side? We've we heard that he's more of a left side player, but maybe his youth will be his strength where he's still a sponge. And maybe you get him on the right side and use Peters as a swing tackle. You know, what's your perspective on that? Yeah. You know, it's a pretty interesting situation and, you know, kind of unfortunate that turns still have to go down the way he did. Um, but obviously that's off to Jason Peters. Um, for what he did, that was really impressive. Um, I bet if it weren't for him, Dax had a lot of pressure coming off that off that side in that Texans game. Um, but um, it's an interesting situation trying to reshuffle that offensive line for the Cowboys and I guess give Dak enough time to do what he does. So, um, you know, initially I was thinking they moved Peters um, into that right tackle, um, but you know he's forty, and you know it's going to be interesting to see how long he can hold up. So, um, I think Mike McCarthy will make the best decision. At this point, I think, you know, whichever way they go, I think it will ultimately, hopefully it will work out for them. Um, I think it's going to be, Tyler Smith has just impressed me so much. I mean, uh, for him to just step in right there and just, you know, be an anchor has been so great to see, um, you know, for the Cowboys. So I think, I think they might be okay, especially, um, you know, they might have a couple of games to try and figure it out um, before you, you know, obviously you're going to head into the playoffs and, you, you really need that offensive line to be good enough for Dak. So um, we'll see what happens, but I think the coaches should be able to, um, you know, make the right decision. 
Now, there's one player that I do want to mention that's another sort of pet cat of Jess's and um, transitioning into the number 13, former number 13 that the Cowboys signed uh, with wide receiver. But like Noah Brown uh, stepped up in a big way. Not only did he have the the big reception for, 50, for 51 yards, but he also had, again, almost like the Bengals game, uh, you know, that they played early in the season with Cooper Rush, how he had on the final drive this ridiculous catch falling to the sideline um, where Dak hit him in stride and I'll, I'll ask you to I'll start with Jess first um, the the Cowboys signed free agent T.Y. Hilton to a one-year deal uh, which again you know OBJ was this talk and actually to Manav I'll, I would love to get your perspective on OBJ and, and yeah. you know if, if that's a potential maybe future signing for the Cowboys or you think maybe like towards the playoffs but you know they signed T.Y. a little bit healthier he was able to work out uh, on Monday and, and they signed him and, and apparently from all accounts, it looked really good. So, and it was an active roster signing. So it's not like somebody that they're going to be signing to the practice squad and transition. You know, he's going to be on the active roster might be inactive for the weekend, but Jess, what does T Y Hilton signing mean for the wide receiver room? Does that mean James Washington is going to be pushed down a little bit? I personally don't think so. Um, but I, I think that they're going to try and, you know, get this veteran presence in there that they were looking for with OBJ, but they just get it in T Y Hilton instead. Yeah, you know what? I don't think it will be James Washington. I think, if anything, it might be a Jalen Tolbert uh, that feels the aftermath of this signing. But I do think um, what, what's interesting about all of this, right, and we've been all following this OBJ saga, I'm sure, yeah. uh, and we are all tired of it. I don't know about y'all. I'm <laughs> sick of talking about OBJ. Um, and it's only because I got my hopes up really high, and as time has gotten on, or gone on, I've just gotten more and more impatient. So uh, that's part of it. But um, I, Wit's crying. Wit, my dog is crying about OBJ. Of course he is. Um, you know, I think when it comes to this kind of situation, what the Cowboys were looking for was immediate impact, right? That's not something OBJ could really give this team right now. So what's interesting to think about is, according to multiple reporters who've talked to some of their sources, the OBJ conversation isn't done yet either. So what's very interesting to think about is you think of the laundry list of free agents this team is going to have come this offseason. Where does OBJ fit in this team when you have so many key guys that have stepped up knowing they are on a contract year? Uh, I mean, to name a few, you have Brett Maher, you have Tony Pollard, uh, you have Noah Brown, and so on and so forth. There's, gosh, Brandon, how many did we count? There's so many. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that I think they need to prioritize over signing OBJ, even in the future. So it's really interesting to me that the OBJ conversation isn't exactly over yet. But I also think with somebody like TY coming in, it's, it's interesting, especially considering the timing of the James Washington return. Um, obviously, we're not going to see a whole lot of him right away given they the Cowboys really stick with this ramp up phase kind of mentality when it comes to players post injury which I really appreciate um it, it's just going to be very interesting and very telling how I think he can help anytime you have somebody of that statute who is available in December that's a unique situation that's something Mike McCarthy even said in his press conference on Monday is that's unique for this Cowboys the only thing is can his body hold up it's going back to the same kind of conversation we were just having very Jason Peters esque situation is, um, you know, the thing about him, he's great when he's great, but 
can his body hold up for him? Because uh, something I talked about on Girls Talk Boys Talk today with Christy Scales is that these are multiple injuries. More uh, towards the beginning of his career was lower body injuries. The most recent injury he had was upper body, I want to say neck, back kind of situation. Um, It's always concerning. However, being in the building this season has really given me a big appreciation for the Cowboys medical staff. And I will say that if the Cowboys medical staff is seeing the green light to go ahead and sign this guy and they think that he is somebody that can add immediate impact, that's a very good sign that one, the Cowboys medical staff feels confident that they can keep him healthy. And two, they know that up to this point, his body is holding him up to a point where he can take more of the workload of getting back into playing. So I'm excited to see it. I think anytime you can add veteran presence on any any form um, within any part of the team, you know I'm all for that veteran presence. Look what it did for Jason Peters and Tyler Smith. Perfect example. I think this is a very young wide receiver group that can continue to learn from guys like James Washington and uh, T.Y. Hilton. So I'm really excited to see what he brings and um, on the field, of course, but more so off the field and what he helps these young veteran wide receivers really do, especially, especially when you're talking about guys like Kevontae Turpin, who I know everybody's mad at right now, but he really could be impactful going forward for this Cowboys offense. At some point or another, you can see a very Noah Brown-esque type situation where he starts as a special teams guy and works his way over to the offense. So I just think for um, player development, it's it's huge. Yeah, you know, I think it's a really great point um, that you mentioned the veteran presence. I just realized that now that Jess brought it up. And, um, you know, I personally really like the Cowboys wide series that they had, C.D. Lamb, a huge fan of Michael Gallup, had the chance to meet him at the start. He's a super nice guy. So love Michael Gallup. And then Noah Brown, I think he, he's really, really, he's cool, you know. Um, trying to see his journey and just to where he is. I think he's a really good fit um, for the Cowboys. So I personally was a fan of, you know, what the Cowboys had at wide receiver, but I think it's a great move by the Cowboys to try and bring in um, T.Y. Hilton. You know, people here in Houston, T.Y. Hilton kind of owns NRG Stadium, so it's kind of perfect that he goes to the Cowboys. So um, I think it's a great move for them. Um, T.Y., obviously a lot of experience, you know. um, I think it's a really good fit for them. And as for Odell Beckham, you know, I think – that talk's going to be keep going on for some time. And, you know, who knows if they add him right before the playoffs, you know, I don't know what decision Jerry Jones will make, but um, that's going to be interesting to see. And Odell Beckham, I think he saw, I think I read this quote or something that he said that, like, I don't see any point playing in the regular season or something. Like, that was kind of questionable to me because I don't know how he's going to be able to, you know, get warmed up in time. But um, if the Cowboys add him, I think Odell Beckham would definitely um, be great because the medical staff would have made that decision. And, um, we'll see, but I think if you stick with the Cowboys wide receivers right now, I think they'll be perfectly okay. I think um, you can definitely win, um, especially when you have Dak as your quarterback. So um, I think they're in a good position right now, um, and um, you know we'll see from there. And I think it's important that – I think really it's more important that this offensive line kind of um, is, is good enough as well. So it's going to be interesting for sure. Something I wanted to make sure to ask both of y'all too is, you know – it's just so interesting to see the progression of this Cowboys team as it was in training camp and all the headlines that were coming out. Brandon and I talked about this a while back of, oh my goodness, this wide receiver core is awful. Uh, 
the sky is falling. What is going to happen to now to where you've seen the progression of guys like Noah Brown. You've seen the return of Michael Gallup, who I really think has hit his stride and is just continuing uh, to be so impressive. Um, you know, you've even seen CeeDee Lamb come to his own and really own that wide receiver one spot this season. So with all of that being said, what do you both expect to see for the fourth quarter, if you will, of the Cowboys season going forward? And do you feel like, the wide receiver core is going to continue to grow or, um, you know, something we didn't even get to talk, talk about touch base on is these young tight end groups and how important these young tight ends are for this Dallas Cowboys team. So what do you expect to see more of um, as far as maybe play calling going into these next four weeks, given it's going to change based on the quarterback and, uh, or excuse me, the opposing defenses and, and all of that. But what do you expect to see? And, you know, wrapping up the the tail end of the season, what do you hope to see, I guess, is a better way to phrase that. Yeah, I, I do think that the Cowboys with CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup not really getting going on Sunday, it was a little concerning for me only because we saw that again in the playoffs last season against the 49ers and how CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard were rarely used and the Cowboys ended up losing the game and people were wondering, well, how come you weren't getting the ball in the in the best playmaker's hands? And so I was a little concerned, but I do think that, again, that might go back to maybe Dak's performance a little bit. He was a little off, it seemed like, with a lot of his throws. But again, when you have a guy like Jalen Petrie that you're going against, I think that he was more aggressive than the Cowboys were expecting. And I think he caused a lot of bruises on these guys waking up uh, Monday morning. But I think it's a little concerning. But I do think when you add somebody like a T.Y. and and, and now I've m- mentioned, you know, um, you know, the, the, his veteran presence and also being a formidable foe of the Texans, you know, for so many years, uh, I think that that alone will help them grow and, and maybe learn. I mean, he played in nine playoff games, I, I believe I looked up earlier. So he has that sort of playoff experience. He's played with a high caliber quarterback in Andrew Luck. So he knows how to win. And I think that that alone will help these guys when they make this push, you know, maybe against the Eagles as well too, to keep their spirits high. Cause I think CeeDee Lamb is a very emotional player in a, in a good way. I think that he, he lets the emotions of the game kind of dictate how he plays. And when he gets going early, you can see he's a different player in the Colts game when they needed this sort of boost on offense, he was the guy to kind of jumpstart that a little bit. So I think that when you are making this push for the final you know, quarter of the season, like you mentioned, Jess, I think T.Y. adds a little bit more of that veteran leadership that Peters brings with Tyler Smith. Um, so maybe he doesn't get all the receptions and maybe it's given to these guys like Lamb and Gallup. But I think that's OK, too. Um, I don't think Noel Brown should be forgotten. I saw that when he when he caught that 51 yard pass, you know, Dak immediately taps him on the helmet and like gives him a thumbs up, like to keep his confidence high, because I know Dak isn't really he's not really his guy. Cooper Rush is his guy. So to see that, I think that will keep Noel Brown in the conversation. I don't think we've seen the, the end of James Washington. Again, it was his first game back. And he got rocked again by Jalen Petrie. So, you know, it, it's it's positive developments. I do think that you need to see something positive in the Jaguars game to carry into the Philadelphia game. But again, the season is far from over. We still have a few more weeks against, you know, a Titans defense where you can kind of clean things up. They, they're not necessarily the, bat, the best defense when it comes to defending the pass. So hopefully you can kind of get that sort of momentum going into the playoffs. So I don't think it's far from over um, for the wide receiver room. I, I would like to keep Beckham out of the conversation, at least for right now. It's a, like DeMarcus Lawrence said, it's a little bit of a circus um, right now. So I think that when you bring a guy like T.Y. in, a little more soft-spoken, a little more leadership, perfectly okay with that. 
Also, yeah, speaking of circus, sorry, I did not mean to no, cut you off, but the disrespect in the broadcast to play circus uh, music while the Cowboys were on TV. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was, I felt disrespected for that. But anyways, yeah. keep going on. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you said circus and I just felt really triggered. I had no. to get that off my chest. You know, you're good. Yeah, I remember that. That was kind of weird. But um, yeah, I think that OBJ thing is kind of becoming kind of crazy at some point. You know, I saw all those videos of, you know, him hanging out with Micah and Trayvon, you know, at the Mavericks game and whatever, you know. But I just love for them to focus on football and, you know, focus on the receivers that they have right now. And T.Y. again is a great addition. But I really want this offensive line to be good. Dak needs time. Um, you know, you can't have these rushers coming off the edge, you know. Um, so when Tyron Smith comes back, that's huge for them. Um, and they need to play better flat out. The whole team as a the team as a whole. Like, um, you know, you're you're going down this stretch run. You have the Jaguars. This could be a potential trap game for them if they play bad, like they did against the Texans. So they need to play better. Um, I I expect more from this defense. A big reason why the Cowboys are in the position that they are is because of how good the defense has been. Not only the offense, when obviously the offense has been arguably the best in the league since Dak returned, according to all the stats. Um, but I, I want to see a little bit more out of this defense. They can be very, very dominating. Um, I think, you know, Sam Williams, that that guy's pretty good. Um, you know, I want to see more from Micah. Um, Trayvon, of course, has been great. Um, so I really want to see more from the defense and if the offense can. Um, sometimes I've not been a huge fan of this play calling. I feel like sometimes the run and pass, when they do it, is kind of off. They need to run the ball more. Um, play action should definitely be more use. And personally for me, I love it when Dak runs with the football. I talked to him about it and, you know, and some people, you know, who followed me and about the Dak whole story with me. And they're like, you know what? He listened to you after you told him you should run more. He listened to you after the bears game. And, you know, I would love for him to use that a little bit more to his advantage. Um, and I think as a whole, they need to play better as a team. Cowboys need to make use of the turnovers the defense gives and um, if they can just play it fully to their strengths, I think they're going to be a very, very hard team to beat. Now, with with the team sort of going in the opposite direction and, and covering, you know, the Texans and everything, you see where the potential, I think also looking at the Cowboys, you know, again, a few years back, they weren't really playing well. And, and Mike McCarthy comes in, adds a little bit of stability. I think the Texans next season, depending on if Lovey Smith is back, I personally don't think so. I think they'll hire somebody else. But I think that you see sort of where the growth can go. Where do you think the Cowboys season will end up? Um, do you think that they have Super Bowl aspirations, or do you think that there's still a few things that are holding them back a little bit before reaching the Super Bowl? Well, you know, I think this team is good enough to reach the Super Bowl. They just have to play up to it. I think that's been a problem to me over the years. Like, they just haven't played up to how good they can be. Um, and it's just really a matter of them performing, in my opinion. So I think they can do it, but again, they've – they just don't play their best in the playoffs. When this, if this Cowboys team can play up to the team that they are, I think they're going to be very, very hard to beat. And to me, this this is a Super Bowl kind of aspiration team that you want to see. Um, more than likely, you might be playing the Buccaneers in the first round. That's a team that you need to beat. The Buccaneers are what six and seven, so um, they need to win that game if they do make the playoffs, which they should. Um, and I think that Eagles game is going to be really interesting for me to see um, how they kind of stack up to them. Um, because if the Cowboys beat the Eagles, then you're like, okay, this Cowboys team is pretty special. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things I really like about the Cowboys in general, they draft a lot of great talent. And those players generally become cornerstones of this team, whether that's Trayvon Diggs, Micah Parsons, you know, 
if you go to offense, Michael Gallup, CD Lamb, Dak, whatever. I mean, a whole bunch of guys have been from the draft and that they've kept and that they've made their own. And so I really like that about that team. And hopefully the Texans can do that. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think you mentioned Lovey Smith. He's not going to stay. I think a huge issue for Texans fans that gets them really mad is Pep Hamilton, their offensive coordinator. He's been bad. People hate him here. So, like, that's just how it is. Um, and, you know, they want changes um, for the Texans. But as for the Cowboys, they should play up to the talent that they have. Uh, Manav is, is not holding back uh, with, with what he says, and I love yeah. it. Uh, the hot takes are flying. Um, b- before we close that, I, I have one more question for you, and this is for me. I, I get asked this uh, a lot, and you know, I, I have different answers for it, but I'd love to know for you, again, having such a young career, what is one interview or aspiration you hope to accomplish um, as you kind of continue on this journey and, and hope to build your brand and, and keep growing in the industry? Yeah, you know, I just want to keep it going, keep going whatever I've been doing and um, just keep getting more guests, more big time players. And, you know, ultimately for me, I just want to be a sports broadcaster on um, a major network at some point in my career, whether that's like ESPN or Fox Sports or, you know, CBS. That's ultimately what I want to do. Um, But, you know, I'm more than happy to stay local and cover the teams that I like here. Like, um, huge Astros fan. I would love to cover that team. Um, You know, I'm happy staying here in Houston, cover the local teams. Um, you know, of course my ultimate goal is to go national, but, um, you know, who knows at some point if, if the Cowboys, you know, want me to cover that team, I'd, I'd love to do that as well. So, you know, I'm keeping my, I just want to keep all my opportunities open. I'm not going to be like, no, I don't want to do that. I think in sports, you have to keep everything open. Everything needs to be an option for you. And personally, um, for me, I want I always wanted to be a play by play kind of announcer, but I realized that, you know, I love interviewing people and that's something that I've gotten you know, I'd say I've been, you know, I've been really improving at that. So, you know, being a reporter, it would be great for me as well. So I think really the key is for me just keeping all the options open on the table. And I'm so glad that you just made, again, this transition very easy. My last question for you is what advice do you have for anybody who may be, you know, wanting to go through the same path you did or want the same things you do with your career, what advice do you give to those people that are listening? Yeah, I think, I think it just go for it at some point. Like, um, you know, you may feel like lazy, like fine, this is a lot of work to do. You know, I have school or whatever, I have other responsibilities, but if you really want to do this and if you really want to make an impact in sports, you have to go for it. You have to make the time for it. And you have to put in the effort, you know, if this is something you really like, you like to do it, it won't be kind of like a burden. You, you generally like enjoy what you're doing. And that's what, you know, I'm doing. I genuinely enjoy this. And um, if you really want to do it, you just have to go for it. You have to, I think really you have to be yourself, be natural, be who you are. Um, that that's worked out really, really well for me. Um, and I think, I think that's really the key right there. Just, you know, go for it. Um, take that, you know, first step. And I think you can just go from there and then, you know, who knows how far you can go. I think, you know, sky's the limit once you are willing to, you know, go for it. Well, Jess, I mean, the Cowboys have an MG that's pretty good, uh, you know, for, for them. But I, I'd have to say our MG is a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate you taking the time to jump on our podcast. Where can people follow you again and check out all your awesome content? Yeah, of course, you can see, you can follow me on Twitter at MG Sports Talk. Um, it's written right there. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram if you want at MG Sports Talk. But my YouTube channel is where you can follow all my interviews. I post them there first. 
um, Mana of Sports Talk, M-A-A-N-A-B, um, Sports Talk on YouTube. You can subscribe to my channel there. That's where I post all my interviews. I do, you know, predictions, rankings, uh, analysis, even play-by-play streams. So that's where you can find all my content on Twitter and YouTube primarily. So um, go follow me there. Manav, we've just been so inspired by you and just honestly really honored that you would come on and and take your time to talk to us. And we appreciate it so, so, so much. I can't even begin to tell you. So thank you so much uh, for taking your time to do that. Brandon, where can the people follow you if they haven't already? And if y'all haven't followed us by now, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> ugh, sus behavior, honestly. Yeah, uh, no, it would be a shame because I'm trying to grow my number past the 200 mark. So, uh, yeah, trying trying to keep that going. It, it's at Brandon is right. And again, it's W-R-I-T-E because I like to write with uh, typing and not much with a pen and pencil anymore because you know done with grad school done with school just graduated so that's always a highlight to talk about i know thank you um but yes uh not necessarily with all my my cowboy takes but i you know throw throw a few every now and then a few curveballs and stuff like that jess what about you um i am still at jess of ours underscore on twitter that is where i'm at um yeah i'm trying i'm trying to be better on instagram it's just not going well I don't really know how to run Instagram very well, but um, Twitter, you can find me there. It's it's fun. It's a good time. Um, unless you're talking about Kevontae Turpin right now, I will not follow you back. That's all. Yeah. Now, and before we close out too, uh, Manav, are two things. One, are you a fan of Taylor Swift and pumpkin pie? Those are two things that are near and dear to Jess's heart. So however you answer this question, you may or may not be back in the future. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be back because the answer is no for both. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, but, you listen. Know, I, really, I really appreciate you guys having me on. You know, really appreciate all the kind words. means a lot. Um, and, you know, so glad I was able to talk to you. How did blast today? You know what? I'll forgive you. I will forgive you. I'm just going to ignore that you said that. And you know what? I think the real villain here is Brandon for trying to instigate that. Yeah, like he yeah. knew. Well, he knew what he was doing. So I can't I can't fault you for Brandon being a villain. And, I can't. and listen, him and I were on the same side. So I will welcome you back. Uh, maybe not awesome. just as, as much. So again, thank you guys so much for joining the latest episode of the Writer's Block Podcast. Cowboys win. 2723. We will talk to you next week after the Cowboys take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm.